I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For over 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store in Charlotte, North Carolina. On this podcast, we unlock the stories of people's lives through the stories of what they wore. These aren't conversations about fashion. These are conversations about people. For Tracy Fyth, fashion is his true calling. He confesses in our conversation that he feels that he was born to do this, and I tend to agree. In spite of many highs and lows and an untraditional start to his career, Tracy always finds his way back to designing beautiful things. Tracy Fyth, I'm so happy to see you in California. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) We've known each other a long time, and I don't know exactly how long, but it's a good 50 years, mm-hmm. I think. Used to sell to you. Yeah. The store. And Love it very it. early on in my store. Big it, fan. Big fan uh, both ways. Mm. It was always my favorite collection. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Where are you from? Sherman, Texas. <laughs> Sherman, Texas. Sherman, Texas. You've never heard of it. Nobody's <laughs> ever heard of Sherman, I don't think. It's about an hour north of Dallas. It's kind of a small town. Mm-hmm. And your dad was a military man. He was in the military. Yeah. He Did was y'all a- live on the base? Well, I was born on an Air Force base. Right. Yeah, he was a pilot in World War II. Mm-hmm. It's actually some history in, around that because he got shot down. So I was born on an Air Force base, and then we moved away from the base and lived in a t- Sherman, which was a town nearby, and I went to first and second grade at the Air Force base. You have siblings? I have a sister. Sister. One sister. What's your fa- your earliest fashion memory as a child? You know, I didn't grow up around any of this. I guess my trajectory is, is unexpected. Mm-hmm. from where I'm from, you know, because I grew up in, uh, you know, a small town playing baseball. I thought I'd be, I wanted to be a pro baseball player when mm-hmm. I was a kid. There was, you know, in high school, there was a, there were certain, you know, sectors of kids that were in different social groups, right? You know, there was the ag kids, the agriculture kids mm-hmm. who were kind of the... That's, just, that's such a Texas you thing. You know what that is. Yeah, you know, no, right? totally yeah, there, <laughs> But it's so ag- Texas. Well, I guess I was sort of an independent, so I didn't have any exposure to what what I would say... I don't know, real style, you know, but when I, when I guess when I was, if I hope this answers your question, is that was when I kind of got into skateboarding and punk rock. Mm. And that was for me an, an initiation into, I guess I observed you could uh, express yourself through yeah. how you dressed. I'm always really interested, like, how did you know about punk rock? Like, how did you know about Well, that's interesting. Right? That's interesting. That's part of That's <laughs> part of my, that's really part of my story, too, was that, you know, at that time, there was no internet, you know, and, yeah. and if, if you saw someone, like, in my town wearing Vans, yeah. you knew they were a skateboarder. There was, like, hardly any kids in my town that were into what I was into. If you saw a kid with a band T-shirt on that you liked you would go up and talk to them. So you took time off after high school and lived in California? I did. Was that like a music thing or Well, it was skateboarding. Skateboarding skateboarding and and music. I mean, I couldn't wait to get out of Dodge. Literally, (laughs) when I got out of high school, I, I rent... I say ran away. I moved to California. And I always wanted to move to California. Promised land. Yeah. <laughs> and it really was. I mean, historically yeah. it is. And for me it was too, you know. So I couldn't wait to get here. And when I got here, I just met so many people that I felt like I, I related to, you mm-hmm. know, that were, it was just a different mentality. And it was an interesting time because 80s. musically, you know, in the early 80s and 80, you know, early 80s, 
because the subcultures, you know, things were changing from like the kind of somewhat hippie 70s to like punk and new wave. And that was reflected in surfing, skateboarding, Mm -hmm. music, style, all of that. It was a very, I guess it was seminal in my development, I guess. And I still didn't think I would be a designer. I just was. Yeah, what did um, you do? How did you, what did you, what were you Well, I, you know, I always wore like clothes from Goodwill and and, um, would customize them and cut them off and stick patches on them. So you could sew? I mean, I taught myself little yeah. stuff. I couldn't sew. I didn't know how to sew till till later. Uh, really sewing, which I just I, the home ec sewing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which they don't teach anymore. Oh no! Isn't that I remember weird? I had home ec. I like I remember in sixth grade, I made an apron or something. We had a home ec class. <laughs> we made a I made a pineapple upside down cake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> but so when you got here, you don't you don't hear pineapple upside down <laughs> no, cake a lot these days. I think they're very tasty. I think they're kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> What were you doing when you were here other than skating and absorbing? Uh, I mean, I had all kinds <laughs> of crazy jobs. Well, I did road construction when I first moved out here. That's saved hot. Saved a bunch of money. It was, it was hot. That's hot. And uh, it was hot. And uh, I saved some money, which was my kind of plan. And then from then on, I just had night jobs, mostly working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I'd have days free to surf and skate and um, I thought maybe I should do something with my life. And so I moved back to Texas. I started going to art school at mm-hmm. North Texas. I was taking art classes, basically. And I was, and I had, one of them was a sculpture class. Mm-hmm. And so I, I mentioned earlier that I, you know, wore clothes from Goodwill. And st- and I started incorporating, like, old clothes into my soft sculpture. Eventually, I, I talked to some hapless victims into, like, putting some of the things on. You know, I'd sew like four <laughs> pairs of boxer shorts together and like put on and oh. make it into a dress or whatever it was. And then what happened was is that I won some award in school and Todd Oldham was one of the judges. Oh, wow. And Todd he, Oldham. He's a Texan, isn't he? Yes, he's from Texas yeah. too. And um, he was already like doing things and um, was somewhat known. I mean, very influential at that time were the uh, were the Japanese, Issey Miyake and sure. Yoji and... Ray Kawakubo, and sure. which was, and it was everything was kind of unisex and oversized, and mm-hmm. and that, and his clothes were like that too, and, and what I was doing kind of, I don't know, strangely yeah. fit into <laughs> that, that, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And so he, uh, you know, asked me to work for him over the summer. You know, he showed me things. He said, "Here's how you do it: make a pattern." I didn't really know anything at that sure. time. Started making patterns, and on my own, just really took an interest in taking clothes apart, seeing how they were made seeing what patterns looked like, mm-hmm. starting to sew at the which factory is, a little which bit. Which is such a math brain thing. Well, it, it, it is. Well, it, it, it can be a math thing. The way I approach it is a combination of it's mathematical and it's organic, too. Yeah. So what I what it really is is, is kind of architecture yeah. pattern making, and I love it. And it's really like therapy for me. I make most of my first patterns, and I have, you know, so I've been doing that for 30 years. Yeah. And I still was teaching myself to sew and... And I had a girlfriend at the time that worked at, you know, a great store, Lou Lattimore, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah, I yeah. don't know if you know yeah, of, I do it, know but, of it. And she she did the windows wow. there, and I was, um, I mean, I was just this kind of scrappy punk kid, and so she would be doing the windows after hours, and I would go in and I'd really look at the clothes wow. to see how they were made, and yeah. they had beautiful clothes there. You really know, they beautiful. had everything from Chanel to. Mm-hmm. You name it, they, yeah, everything. Uh, to Gautier, uh, you know, uh, yeah, they Jeffrey had it yeah. all. So I worked over the summer, and I said, I think, I think I'm, 
I'm going to switch over and do a fashion program. So they had two fashion programs at this school. One was through the art department, which was completely ex- kind of experimental. Right. And then they had a home ec right. department. Which So I went to the art department because I thought that would be you know more uh, creative. Yeah. And, um, and so I started taking pattern classes and loved it. Hmm. So probably the only time I've ever made good grades in school was in <laughs> pattern making and illustration classes. And what did your Air Force father think of it at the time? Well, you know, that's it's interesting because my my dad, even though he was a a decorated, he was a major in in the Air Force and he was I mean, he was kind of a high up. Yeah. Wasn't typical for what you'd think of a, a military guy was like. Mm. He just anything I wanted to do, he was supportive of. So so I I started doing that and I and I went through the semester and I was like I mean, no, I mean anybody who's in school not to not to say the wrong thing, but I <laughs> I kind of felt like I was so already had a big jump start, and I was really motivated, and I felt like I had already kind of learned more hands-on than I was probably going to learn in this sure. school scenario. And also, I already had like a kind of an anarchic sense of what I, you know, was into, and it wasn't going to be like I already, you know, I was already looking at like real innovators, you know, mm-hmm. like Vivian Westwood and Jean-Paul Gaultier. And yeah. Amazing to have that laboratory, though, of Lou Latimer. I mean, that's right. That's pretty interesting. Right, it was. Well, and also just Texas. I think Texas women, are they dress Well, that's that's a big influence for it me, is. too, is that, you know, women dress there. They and dress. they um And color, which is also, yeah. you know, dominant in my, and, and pattern. And that kind of strong woman is kind of, I think, that, strong sense of style and and that willingness to like kind of stand out well, I, was gonna I think say, has, I think that's a southern thing I don't think most people are yeah. okay with being noticed like that. I know and it's what's interesting I think right now is that with the social climate of things right now I I think it's that strong kind of signature and that idea of uh, putting your femininity out there and being feeling confident and strong in that mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing it as something less mm-hmm. or less strong i've always felt that that that's all, i think something i find attractive in in a woman that dresses that way also intelligence mm-hmm. i think that that's one of the most attractive qualities you know for me and inspires me but i think one thing that you've always done that you have never wavered on is you want women to feel beautiful i do that's not typical i mean like i don't think all designers are really no. weird, weirdly that's not everybody's not well like i yeah and i think that i don't feel like i have a lot of ego in it i listen to women what they want and mm-hmm. you know having stores for so long and there's certain things that that are a constant i find and and of course it evolves what i do and it but there's a certain signature of fit and there's a language there and Absolutely. and it's not trendy it's not I always feel a little embarrassed if I do something that's kind of so this season or something and I, I really try to put longevity into the clothes well I think you and um, Dries I think mm. Van Noten are similar mm-hmm. in that way that they're they're pieces I would never ever give away or get yeah. rid of yeah because they're so from another planet almost. yeah, yeah. well <laughs> you know, they're not of this season yeah. they're just of the next world or yeah something. well that's what i really try that's a that's a, a hard line to walk too yeah. and and a and a tough road to hoe i guess is to mm-hmm. is to be able to accomplish that and since i've kind of started again i and 
you know, with this Instagram and, and, you know, that people kind of have access to like communicating with me, which I love, you mm-hmm. know, I have women like send me pictures of like yeah. 10 dresses <laughs> in their closet and say, this is my favorite one. And yeah, I met my husband in this dress. And, and isn't that so funny that the ability to be in touch with you like that? I mean, I feel like Instagram, I, it's, it's so much communication for me, like all day long. It's people yeah. and it's people that I don't know and people that yeah. I do know. Yeah. But it's so I love it. Yeah, I do too. Like, I feel and you I feel like like how did we do this before? I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that was when that was one thing when I started Fife Club was I wanted that interconnection yeah. to like cut the middle out. Right. And it's been really rejuvenating for me and energizing and it just the stories and, and people and they women they've handed down something to their daughters or Oh or yeah, something. my daughter has yeah. A lot of my pieces. Yeah. And, ago. um, yeah, I love that. You That's know, cool. I like the, I, I hope the clothes have longevity. Well, That's kind of beauty is timeless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know there's certain things that will never go out, yeah. you know? And so back to Texas and so you working for Todd and then going back to school and then graduated and moved to New York. Well, I didn't graduate. I dropped oh, out. Oh, yeah, right. That's, I dropped yes, out. Yeah. And basically because there were no design jobs, Right. Uh, at, in, North Texas. in Texas that <laughs> wanted anything to do with me, I wouldn't, I didn't think there is, there is garment manufacturing there. It's okay. just, you know, it's more like dresses for JC Penney and all right. of that. So, and, and really I, I was very interested in, in knowing how to make clothes. So I, I dropped out of school and became a pattern maker at different companies you know and in was teaching my in, in no texas. this is texas oh, wow. okay. still in texas <laughs> i've got a long i got a ways to go while i'm still yeah. in texas and i uh was a pattern maker at different companies and victor costa i was a oh pattern maker there for That's a while awesome. but i would go from one to the other i would like i didn't know very much and i'd get a first pattern job and they'd after a month they say hey you don't really no i don't know if you know enough and then i'd go to the next one and i'd learn more and i was studying myself and i was getting really good i didn't have a sewing machine yet but i started using the sewing machines in the factories mm-hmm. to like learn how to sew and teach myself how to sew and did you make you made pieces for yourself or for i yourself did or yeah anything? yeah well no i started making pieces for myself and uh-huh. and then i started making skateboard shorts for my friends uh-huh. and um yeah started messing around with it like that and still while i was being a pattern maker i was with some friends there was a group of people over at you know like a club or something like that and uh, one of the girls that was sitting there with them i had gone to school with mm-hmm. she introduced me as a designer to these people and um and so they thought I was interesting I guess and we were talking that was this couple they you know they kind of were talking about a store they were going to open and they were they were going to Europe to buy like all these amazing designers and I was like wow that's really cool and at the end of the night I said we'd love to see your collection because she had introduced me as a designer I'd say well I'd love for you to see my collection too I'd like to see my collection so um they so they gave me their card and they said well we'll be back in town you know in three weeks and let's set up an appointment. So I called wow. up the next day and made an appointment with him. And then I got real busy <laughs> trying to make a collection, you know. After hours? Yes. Yeah. At the factory. I wow. um, I knew the security guard. He let me in. <laughs> I started looking around for fabrics at Jobbers. And I put together this little collection wow. in a couple of weeks of tin styles or something like that. And did you like know, that. like, that part you knew from Todd Oldham, like, that what you would need to show or how how I sort of had, work, like, or... an idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know. Because, um, I mean... Yeah, you 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 know you make a shirt. It comes in this print and that print, yeah. and comes in black and white. You know, like yeah. that kind okay. of thing. Mm-hmm. And I made these pieces, which were kind of unisex at the time. There were men's. I started with men, but it, it was kind of unisex, '80s, and it was kind of oversized. And and I so I go to show them. I'm nervous as 
hell. They pull out a thing and they start writing an order. And I was like, oh my <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, yeah, oh shit, right? So they write an order for like, I don't know, it was a thousand or maybe what? $1,600. I oh, can't uh, remember. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> now what? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And then so you're it, like, when does this need to deliver? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah. And terms <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff. They're like, are you okay with like net 30 terms? And I was <laughs> what like, does that mean? what's net 30 terms? I don't know. <laughs> so I was like, sure. Yeah. So then that started like a whole other process of how am I going to get these clothes made? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And of course, no manufacturers wanted to deal with me. I needed 10 shirts and 12 pairs of that shorts and this, you know what I mean? So I talked to the seamstresses at the place where I worked and they all, not all, but a few of them, they had like, they lived way out and they had like in, they would have like a little sewing room at home that them and their husband and maybe one of their kids helped them. And I kind of developed this little cottage industry of sewers and I would drive out and they sewed my clothes. You know, I, I delivered the clothes. They gave me a check. I bought a sewing machine. (laughs) You know, it's like I was in business. Then I showed to Stanley Korshak the next season. And, and then I, you know, I just kind of went from that. And then I, and then I sold, I think to, you know, who I'm talking. Yes. Uh, Yes. Uh, By George. By George. Sold to them. Then I was like, I should go to New York and start and I had friends by then who were had been in art school, and they had moved to New York, and they lived in the East Village, and they were painters. And right. I was like, I'm coming to New York. Can I sleep on your floor for a week? <laughs> and I'd make a few samples. I'd have them in a garment bag, and I'd call up, hey, Barney's, can I come show you? You know, like, oh and um, just started, like, knocking on doors and walking around in the rain with a garment bag <laughs> and whatever it was in the snow. And, and, and who was producing them there? So you're still your Texas I'm team? still in Texas. Wow. Still oh. in Texas. And I did that for a couple years, you know, or, or more. Yeah, you know, I'd go to New York twice a year, show the clothes, deliver them, blah, 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 blah. And just, I built up this little group of stores and I was kind of like having a little business. And then, then Paper Magazine wrote a story about me. Stephen Gann, who started Visionaire, oh, wow. yeah. wrote a story about me. And that was like, kind of like a big introduction to me and Paper Magazine and that kind so of good. whole culture, which was very cool downtown New York. Finally, I got in Patricia Field's showroom. Wow. I started getting more accounts and then international in Japan and all that. And I was now by now doing men's and women's. Okay. And the women's just kind of took off. It was like I couldn't do both. It was just me. I just kind of basically stopped doing the the men's and started doing the women's. <laughs> and then eventually I, I just was like, I guess I'm going to have to move to New York. And now this was, you know, 1990. Mm-hmm. 90, I moved to New York in 92. And at that time... I really, I didn't want to move to New York, but I had been doing it for years and I felt like, geez, if I'm going to, if I'm going to really give this a shot, I I am going to have to do that. And at that time, like, you know, we're talking about, there's no internet. And if you were serious as a designer in in America, you were in New York or you were just, you were, you were not serious. You weren't taken seriously. Not like it is now, yeah. you know, like L.A. is seeing like a big reemergence and yeah. which I find interesting. And, and that's another story because of I, that kind of history of like the Hollywood designers and like the well, designers that were out here in the 60s. Well, even before 40s, 50s, 60s, Adrian 70s. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like Galanos. So there is a history of fashion out here, but it just well, and kind manufacturing. of and manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know, but it's kind of gotten to where it's more you know, it's sportswear, you know, jeans yeah. and t-shirts, which is not what I do really. But, um, <laughs> but it's a tough business, no fashion. They, oh yeah. The hardest. Yeah. Ups <laughs> and Jesus. Yeah. I've had my ups and downs. And tell me about sure. that. 
So I moved to New York in 92, and I start doing what, you know, what you think you're supposed to do is uh, have fashion shows. You're supposed to play that game. Well, not a store yet, but I was, you know, I was having fashion shows and all that, and I was spending all of my own money. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like basically throwing parties, you know, because fashion (laughs) shows are not, you know, this is like a, a big misconception that people aren't in the fashion business have is that you have fashion shows and that gives you notoriety which turns into money and business and dollars and that's not necessarily the case um i was killing myself you know i would be up for two weeks at a time getting getting a collection ready for shows and all of my friends living in my loft and tribeca camping out helping Mm. and after a couple years of that i mean i was just at the end of it i was just like yeah, I was invited to every single party, and I everyone knew me, but I was could barely pay my electricity bill. Yeah, true story. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I I was going to stop. I did stop for a year or so. And moved back home? Or? No, no, no. I stayed in New York, yeah. and I was just doing anything to just you know I was styling a little bit, and just for for giggles, I took like an acting class. Mm-hmm. And there's this other there's this girl in the acting class, and she's some. She's like an amazing actress, and I want to do a scene with her. We, you know, start doing a, from a Sam Shepard play. <laughs> I find out she had been a stylist in uh, in Italy, Italian Vogue, and uh, Poor Louis, and Italian Condonets, and, and, and she was sick of the business, too, and she had lived out here. She had been a celebrity stylist, and this is Susan. <laughs> Susan Wingett, who, you yeah. know. Who we eventually, but she didn't know me because she had been in Italy, and you would yeah. you didn't necessarily know internationally. If she had been in New York, she would have known who I was, maybe right. perhaps. Um, but that's how you got back into it again. Well, yeah, we started traveling she, to. Important. I mean, we I still didn't, you know. And then we started traveling, and she was a waitress, and I was, you know, we started going to Mexico, and actually I started kind of getting re-inspired in Mexico. Mm. The color, the craft, women always wore dresses, Mm -hmm. and Susan always wore dresses too, and it was just like, it it started getting slowly inspired again. So then we come back to New York, still no money, and I'm like, well, I've still got a sewing machine. We start going around and digging through jobbers and finding vintage cool fabrics, and and so I just would like make a shirt or whatever, and she would take it around to these little stores, and they'd order three or four of them, and she'll say, "Okay, we'll get them to you this Friday for the weekend." And I'd cut them and sew them up, we'd deliver them, we'd get our six hundred dollar check, whatever it was, put it in the bank. And I had—I remember I had like a, a note card over the sewing machine. It only cost us like eight hundred ninety dollars a month to live that time, and we did that, and you know, and that's what I we were yeah. doing. We started, and then. The store Calypso in Calypso yeah. St. Bart was just kind of, was the coolest store. Yeah. And, and it just opened and it was on, um, not Mott Street, it was on, yeah, Mott Street. And she started buying my clothes, uh, you know, Christian, yeah. and, and then pretty soon like half the store was, was my stuff. Yeah. And people started calling mm-hmm. and started picking up accounts. And then my first store, she she said, we should just open a store. Mm-hmm. And we made a little store and it went really well. And I was a good client. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, well, then we opened the one down, then, then we opened our own store down the street Uh, uh, across from the children's park. Yeah, exactly. And we built out that store, me and like a couple of friends of mine by hand, you know, the walls were stucco and it was very kind of inspired by the Mediterranean and, and Mexico and and that. Such a great little spot. And that store really kind of put, put us on the map. You know, this was in the night, probably when you started, you know, 
So 90s, you know, latter 90s. And that store really took off. And that's when really the wholesale business really... Yeah. And then I started doing the Raj collection, which was all the Indian oh stuff. And, and it was like... It was before this term boho, which gets... Yeah. I don't know. Does it... <laughs> do people even say that anymore? It was before that, you know. And, um, you know, there was a lot of celebrities wearing my clothes. And you'd see Kate Moss in my slips. Oh, my God. And, they like, so good. Madonna. Yeah. And it was, um, you know... They were so and, light. Yeah. And Voyage was happening oh, yeah, in Voyage London. Happening, and there yeah. was this whole... <laughs> There was this kind of thing that was happening uh, at that time. It was it was great. And and the business went up and down. I mean, it yeah. Was boom and I bust. mean, always. You yeah. know, like yeah. we were. I do know. not business people. <laughs> we weren't business people. We just made great clothes, made yeah. beautiful clothes, and 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 it was like people bought them. And but we weren't. You know, there was not an infrastructure. Which in this business, you really need somebody watching everything. Mm-hmm. To, to build things properly and to scale it and and eventually we we had six stores we had store we really? opened a store in the Hamptons East Hampton that was a great then we store. had one in Southampton and then we closed East Hampton we had one in Amaganza uh, and then we had the Surf Lodge store and then we had two stores out here on Melrose Place before Melrose Place wow. was a thing and then my men's store was in a building that that uh, Sean Connery had had a, an office above it and Johnny Depp at the time had one. <laughs> And, um, but then as you're saying this, all I can think of from my, my business mind is, oh my God, that's a lot of rent. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of rent. Yeah. And, um, there's a, a lot, lot of, of money coming in and out a and, lot of you employees. know, it's, yeah, a lot of employees and yeah. we're not here to, yeah. to do it. And, you know, it's, um, it was a, a lively time, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and it was great. I was coming to Los Angeles a lot, which was my dream, you know, yeah. you know, to be out here at least half time yeah. and so then you, but but you, we found that store before it was like before melrose place was really a thing yeah there was sally hershberger you right. know before any of before mark jacobs before was mark, there yeah. before any of that it's such a good little bit of it though yeah i mean it's a beautiful street it's the most beautiful street in la i, I agree and over there yeah yeah brentwood where you are is gorgeous <laughs> and so then you and then you took a break yeah. yeah 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 well you know then i remember you, know, you just, moving to la you know the economy was horrible in the in 2008 nine and i know yeah yeah <laughs> i'm know. aware you know so i decided to take a break from it then i was hired to do it for a job out here um a creative, like a creative director thing. job okay. at tom's shoes so i what moved was out that like? here that was really something? great i mean it was the most corporate yeah. i've ever been really involved in because i always had my own business and it was mm. you know i did what i wanted i surfed when i wanted i <laughs> you know came and went as long as i got my work done so that was great that was great exposure to a, a larger brand that had a different a different reason for existing that was actually really good for me to have a break from from fashion and to work on something that has like a another reason yeah. you know what i mean for yeah. giving back and it was great and that that company at that time i mean i can't speak for it now but it was really i mean it, it authentically you know it gives you know and gives back I, it's it's probably hard for people to imagine how they do it but was it hard to do things uh, with someone else's aesthetic no not at all I, f- I found it refreshing and actually i really enjoyed it you go home at night and uh, can sleep that's right <laughs> i know and it's oh it's the weekend i should go do something and not work you know <laughs> Which is, you know, how it is when you have your own business. So tell me about Faith Club and uh, tell me what's happening with it. Okay. And we're, we, have a, we have a little collaboration um, yes. that we're doing together for Brentwood. A year and a half ago, I was kind of 
trying to think of what I should do. And, and I was, you know, talking to recruiters and maybe I should go design for another house or, you know, fashion direct for, you know, whoever it is, you know. And did you feel like you were going to be able to, were you going to move to New York? If you maybe to? if yeah. I needed to, I might move back, even though I don't really want to. You know, I was really excited to get kind of get back into clothing because I missed it. And so I um, I made a dress. And I had kind of been toying with this idea of Fife Club, like Fight Club. Yes. You know, and, and the whole idea with Fight Club was kind of that it would be sort of like an underground society. Because, you know, like if, if a woman, if they have a dress, they kind of don't want to tell another woman where they got the dress because they don't right. want them to go get the dress. <laughs> it was kind of like this place where people could come get a dress and, and it was like this underground thing where no one would know where they got it mm-hmm. or it would be very such, you know, uh, a limited a limited number of things. And that's why I call it Five, five Club. I love it, yeah. first, first rule of Five <laughs> Club, don't talk about Five Club. So that was the initial kind of idea of Five Club. And so I made a dress, I put it on there and, and in a matter of like three hours, like eight people like ordered like this dress <laughs> that was like a thousand bucks. And I was like, why don't I just do this? You know what I mean? And that's how it started, you know? And, um, and then it it just kind of took off. You you always keep coming back. What is it about you that, uh, this resourcefulness, this scrappiness? Well, what I always say is that they, they haven't killed me yet. (laughs) So I'm, I'm still around. And they'll try to kill you. Oh yeah. Fashion will try to kill you. You're right. I, I don't know. That's tough to say. You know, here's what I think it is. You know, when people are authentic at what they do, Mm. They, they do what they do through all the periods, whether they're super successful mm. or they are not. I feel like I was born to do this. I, I can't quite put it into words, but I, I just love it. And I love the process of making clothes. I love to see people in them. I don't know. I just, I, I love the craft of it as well as the uh, kind of creativity that can happen. Mm. It, it's not always evident in, in everyone's clothes, obviously. But I think the best clothes are a combination of technique, proportion, and eye, and fit, and uh, tactile quality. So I, I really think that is whether it's in music or art or, you know, as a designer, it's like it's the people who are the greats are the ones that they do it no matter what. Yeah. Because that's what they're born to do. Yeah. And I guess that's my best answer for that. I don't know. I just, I love it. I, I love what I do. Do you think you want to have a store again? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, I I think it would be enjoyable as long as I don't have to staff run it. it. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, to staff it. I mean, that's half the job, as you know, having a store, if not more. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested in scaling Five Club. You know, it's been pretty much direct, which I've enjoyed, is yeah. that direct consumer piece, you know, and the feedback. There's a component that's direct to consumer, and, there's, and then select, I say, partners like, like yeah. how we we're working, who um who we understand each other, similar aesthetic, mm-hmm. the, and just the right people are there yeah. and appreciate it, and that's why working with you know with capital and, and yourself is is so right because it's the right, you know it's there's like a level of sophistication about dressing and you know the clothes that you kind of curate and put in the stores such. Uh, it's so special. We're um, I'm doing a special group yeah. for you guys, which I'm. That's only going to be for you. I'm excited about it. colorful really excited. dresses and some separates too. The thing about dresses is that it's like, I see it as like it's such a modern way of dressing. It's like one thing 
not you fussy. zip it up. It's not. It's like you can a really good dress. You can is is versatile. You can dress it up and down. That's you can wear always, it with sneakers. You can wear it with shoes. That's always been the best thing about your dresses. Yes, and so that's um, also something I try to build into them. So um, I love making dresses. I'm excited. That's my specialty. I'm excited too. <laughs> Something we ask everybody in the podcast. What did you wear to prom? I wore a baby blue. <laughs> it was a baby blue suit. It okay. was notched. No. Tonal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe there was a ruffly shirt. Yeah. I don't know. And did your date? Ma- did you? Did she have a great dress? Do you remember? Yes, yeah, she had a great dress. I gave her a corsage for the wrist. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Drove my dad's uh, Oldsmobile. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This was great. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.